Hi, listeners. Surprise. No intro music. We're talking first. No jaunty music yet. Just hold your horses, everyone. It's coming. It's coming, I promise. We just wanted to put in a quick disclaimer. We recorded this before the finale of Ari's season of The Bachelor, which was a week or two ago. And boy, was it a ride, y'all. Boy, is there a ton of information we could have picked apart in this episode about how Ari is complete trash. Yes, just listen to what we talk about. I'll We'll share on Twitter some Reality Steve content, and you'll hear about him later in this episode, and that will help. But I just want to go on the record as saying Ari's garbage, and I've always known he was garbage. We are anti-Ari on this pod. We wanted to make that stance just completely clear so so clear and there's one other thing we want to tell you about that is to supplement our last episode where we discussed stephen king's novel and subsequent miniseries it we did a little something for our twitter followers uh Uh, our twitter again is at i'm horrified pod please go follow us for up-to-date content but the lovely sam budget here watched the first scene of the miniseries and we put that on our youtube account which we linked to on twitter so please go enjoy that sam did you enjoy it no great let's start the podcast (laughs) (laughs) oh my god hello listeners hi again folks welcome to another episode of i'm horrified we hope you came back. Yeah, we're so excited to be here for another horrifying episode. Yeah. I'm Sam. I'm Allie, and it's another just horrible week in 2018. Absolutely. The earth is gonna implode soon. Yeah, just any, and it's sort of geological, political, social, emotional, everything's breaking down, Mm -hmm. the Russians are invading. Mm -hmm. Oh, what's that I hear? Maybe our two topics for the week, starting off with the execution of the Romanov dynasty and... And then we're talking The Bachelor, folks. ABC's The Bachelor. (laughs) And they're both just rife with political scandal, so we figured they went well together. Yeah, they're both harbingers of the apocalypse. Absolutely. No question about it. So, before we get into the execution of the Romanovs, I just want to talk about... Some of your favorite childhood movies, Sam. Um, What were a couple of your favorite childhood movies? All right, well, there's only one movie that's ever been relevant to me. Right. And it's Anastasia. Anastasia, 1997. (laughs) 1997, what a year. What a year. In that it was the year Anastasia came out, and that's probably the only notable thing that Mm -hmm. has ever happened. Mm -hmm. Maybe more prominent the year that she was murdered. Or was she? Spoiler alert, she definitely was. <laughs> okay, well, all I'm saying is there's a rumor in St. Petersburg, oh. Anastasia 1997, uh, that maybe she wasn't. Oh, no. This is going to be a divisive one. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I I find it horrifying. I just have hope that maybe she is still alive out there somewhere being a Romanov. You know what? Duchess. Maybe she is. And let's just, let's start from the beginning. Yeah. And then you and the listeners... Can make our own decisions. Yeah, we and we can agree to disagree. We can a- agree to disagree. About there's there's some pretty thing. cold hard fact in here. Some truly horrific graphic detail about her murder. But we hold hope. Cool. I'm already bummed out. Let's okay. start. <laughs> Let's start. Our story begins at the genesis of the Russian Civil War, which was a war that broke out following rioting in 1917, following a time of political strife. Mm-hmm. Can't relate. Um, <laughs> Lenin came in and was like, have you guys heard of communism? 
I know something better. There's a couple twists to it. It's mostly communism. I'm gonna name it after me. It's gonna be great. <laughs> so we got some strife going on in uh, in Moscow. And so basically, because all of that happened, because Lenin came in, the Tsar of Russia, Tsar Nicholas II, is forced to abdicate. Okay. Um, and that's right around the time, and correct me if I'm wrong, when the grandmother gives Anastasia the necklace that says, together in Paris. That's right around there, right? So I guess historians debate. <laughs> Um, I have, after, after going through this whole story, it's like, that movie has absolutely no basis in fact. But again, I digress. But yeah, I guess if you were to lie, lie the timelines next yeah. to each other. That's about the time. That's about the They're time. They're in the palace. The Leninists come. Right. They invade the palace. Of course. There's a serving boy in the playroom and he opens a d- hole in the wall and a stranger yeah. runs through. That's about right now. About, or they were under house arrest, completely isolated, being antagonized by the Red Guard. Either. It's either. And again, I don't claim to know. <laughs> We're just gonna run through. We're just gonna run through All right. what historians All right. just sort of. This is clearly where you are and my. <laughs> your and my opinions diverge right now. I know, but I'll hear you out. I said it's gonna be divisive. So, anyways, anyways. So, Tsar Nicholas II. Let's talk about him very quickly because mm-hmm. he's not. A, he's not important, even though he's quite <laughs> important. So, overall, he sucked in a major way. Um, oh, he no. was a weak leader known for mass executions of his enemies. Classic. And even better, just straight up stupid military moves that let many of his soldiers die needlessly. Love it. So many referred to him as Nicholas the Bloody for that reason. Um, He sucks. Don't feel bad for him. Okay. I am going to say a lot of things that will probably make you feel bad for him. Don't feel bad for him. I'll do my best, but I'm pretty empathetic. You're an empathetic person. So since Lenin is pretty much in charge at this point, the Romanovs are placed under house arrest by the Bolsheviks. I think this is sort of out in the countryside. And now is a good time to introduce... The whole fam, mm-hmm. right? So we got Tsar Nicholas II, his lovely Tsarina, Alexandra Feodorovna, Empress of Russia. Ooh. Alexandra was just, she was going through the most at like <laughs> any ev- any particular time. Like oh pick God. any time. She was just, she was like known as very like mystical, Ooh. fragile, same Hy- hysterical. Oh my god! Deeply unloved by the Russian people. <laughs> um, pretty much nobody liked her. Least of all her husband, who was almost a bit scared of her. And there was a sense at the time that she was sort of the puppet master behind him. I love her. <laughs> so far, <laughs> well, we have a lot in common. We're both mystical. We're yeah. both hated by the Russian people. Deeply anxious. Deeply anxious. Yeah. Going through something right now. Yeah. Raised in Germany. <laughs> really A similar. granddaughter of Queen Victoria, which Me she too. was. Me too as well. So they were just a pair. A historian was quoted describing her as beautiful, hysterical, and morbidly suspicious. She hated everyone but her immediate family and a series of fanatic or lunatic charlatans who offered comfort to her desperate soul. <laughs> She's a legend. Yeah, Sam is relating so hard <laughs> that I can't even describe it. Um, also, she was addicted to barbiturates. Oh my god. <laughs> also, also, she probably had an affair with Rasputin, who we must all know, Ugh. right? Um, we all Voiced know him by at this point. Christopher Lloyd in the 1997 film Anastasia. It's gonna keep coming back to that. <laughs> Just get used to that. Which, Rasputin's a whole episode. He's his own episode. But for quick background, um, Alexandra pretty much lost her shit when she found out that her son was hemophiliac because she knew she was a carrier because it's a genetic trait that's in Queen Victoria's family bloodline. Mm-hmm. 
So she was super obsessed with Alexi, her son, and was, like, the original hover mom, and, mm-hmm. like, carted him around everywhere, and pretty much ignored her other four daughters. Oof. And, like, long story short, she starts to get obsessed with holistic and spiritual medicines, and that's where Rasputin enters, because he's this self-proclaimed holy man mm-hmm. who just liked to take his pants off in public and brag about how he was banging Alexandra at parties. That yes. happened a lot. He went to prominent Russian restaurants and talked about how, like, how they totally bang all the time and how the czar is just cool with it because he's a cuck, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say that's a bold move of Rasputin, but he seems like the kind of guy who can work a bold move. I mean, there's a lot of bold characters in this story, <laughs> but he's by far the boldest, <laughs> for sure. So so he's him, and he's just going to keep being him. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Our story begins in 1917. The riots have already happened. Rasputin's actually already been assassinated at that Rip. point. Oh so, my god. Because the, the thing is that the fact that they were hanging out with Rasputin was part of the reason that so many people were like, what the fuck is happening with the Romanov dynasty? You know, we don't like the empress, Mm -hmm. and she's basically calling the shots, Mm -hmm. and the person who's calling the shots is being influenced by this guy who has, like, orgies in his living room. This godly sex monster. Yeah, exactly. And so that had very, very bad press surrounding it. Did they have press before? Yes. Yeah. Yes. News is... (laughs) News is eternal. News is eternal, right? News is forever. Yes. Okay. So to cap off, that's the whole family. Mommy and Daddy... Alexi, the clear favorite. Yes. And then their four beautiful daughters who were older than Alexi. Olga was the oldest and the shyest. She really liked reading. She was very mature. People really liked her. I can, I just want to say I can feel myself already getting sad uh, the more I know about these kind young women. Oh, I'm going to make you love them and then I'm going to rip them away from you. Cool. In the coldest way possible. <laughs> Teaser for what's to come, So folks. please picture them, get attached to them. Get ready um, to hear me sob on the microphone. Yes, please, please prepare for that as well. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Save some empathy for Sam. <laughs> Here we go. So Tatiana was the second daughter and she was very close to her mother, even though her mother was busy pretty much 24-7, like, just hovering. covering her son with band-aids. Yep. And so she happened. Maria was sort of a favorite of everybody's because she was the most beautiful. Ooh. Classic history. (laughs) Um, She was also very sweet and, you know, she wanted to join the Red Cross and she wanted to have many children and she was just a very uh, beloved figure for those who who liked the monarchy. Mm -hmm. For everybody else, they weren't fans of anyone. Yeah. (laughs) And then um, the last daughter, you may know her as a plucky teenager voiced by Meg Ryan. Uh, who is it, Sam? <laughs> uh, one for me, one for you, and one for Anastasia. <laughs> oh, my God. The quotes. <laughs> I could do yeah. the full rumor in St. Petersburg right now. We'll have that as a bonus episode. <laughs> it's just me. Um, can we steal the music for our outro? <laughs> That's not allowed. Um, yes, it's Grand Duchess Anastasia Nikolaevna of Russia. Princess Anastasia, she's the youngest of the four daughters. And if you want to maintain the narrative fantasy of the 1997 <laughs> film, it is important that you turn off this podcast because... Can I leave the room? Is that allowed? No, you, ha- you have to stay. <laughs> Sam is the only one who has to stay. Nobody has to listen past this point. But what happens to her is barbaric. So oh, that's, that's all I want to say. And I'm horrified, and that's why we're here. So buckle up, Sam. Oof. 1917, whole family's under house arrest in Tobolsk. 
I'm not Russian, that's clear. Um, and though everyone's kind of freaking out, they're like, okay, you know, they're still in a mansion, they're just not allowed to go outside, but the longer they're there, the Bolsheviks get very aggressive, they start, like, drawing lewd and inappropriate things on the fence to, like, upset the young girls, which, you know, aggressive sexuality on behalf of the guards to the young girls is sort of a really creepy undertone yeah. in a lot of this. Um, and there's a very unfortunate thing that happens later, which I will I will get to. Uh. And they basically also start talking about, <laughs> they start talking very loudly near Nicholas about how he's going to go on trial soon. So they eventually decide to move the family closer to Moscow, to a house in Ekaterinburg, which is called the House of Special Purpose. Wonder what that purpose is. It sucks. Oh, man. Um, and before they're set to move, Alexei had a bleeding episode. So he stayed behind in the country house with Olga, Tatiana, and Anastasia while his parents and Maria go on to the, the house near Moscow. So he has a whole other episode is just the fact that people can have bleeding episodes. Yeah, hemophilia is one. I think probably um, this podcast will kill you probably gets into hemophilia. Ooh, do you they think? might. They might. Yeah. Strong recommendation for this podcast will kill you, which is two fun women talking about diseases. Yes, infectious diseases, yeah. which is truly horrifying. Yeah, and... which is some deep horrifying stuff. And yes. if they ever do an episode on hemophilia, I'll let you guys know. Oh, yes, definitely. We will link to it. So because of that, they stay back. The true bummer about that is, when the young daughters and Alexei are eventually transported, most likely all three of the daughters are sexually assaulted. Oh. So that's something that nobody talks about. That's not really covered by history books that much, but that's something that definitely happened. And it just is sort of your classic, you know, abuse and oppression of yeah. women. Mm -hmm. And if we have these anyone, women under our power, we might as well just... <laughs> Yep, might as be well. Be awful in every way. Which I think history is just like, we're not even going to get into that because it's implied, right? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, they never talk about it because it's like, oh, yeah, no, everyone's like... And of course they got sexually assaulted. Yeah, of course assaulted. they got assaulted because that's the way the world is. But eventually they're all reunited and, you know, it's lots of armed guards there. The Bolsheviks are not nice, but they're all together. They're in this house near Moscow. Um, in the midst of all this, Anastasia, who is known as a very mischievous and playful girl... Meg Ryan is also <laughs> mischievous and play playful. Anastasia and Maria, who's also known as very sort of flirtatious and outgoing, start playing and interacting with the guards, with the nicer guards. Mm -hmm. And Maria supposedly begins a romance with one of the guards, oh. Ivan. Or Ivan. Again, not Russian. Most of the guards there were much kinder to the young girls, who were by all accounts very charming and sweet. And the anger was directed pretty much completely at the Tsar and Tsarina, who were sort of hated by, you know, the Russian people. And I think that's fair. Like, they're the people in power. Specifically, everyone should be pissed with Nicholas. But, like, if you have to be pissed, be pissed with the other adult in the situation. Yeah, and one of them brought a crazy sex monster into the forefront of Russian politics as well. You know? I mean, that's fair, but I like his style. You do. You love. You love Alexandra, I can tell. <laughs> I know that you love her, and I'm gonna let you. Thanks. Um, you can't love her for much longer. Ayo. We all know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, but Maria and this guard supposedly actually do fall in love. <laughs> and it's hard to tell if anyone who's under capture is ever in love with anyone who is in charge of capturing them. But by all accounts, they really did have a warm romance. He smuggled a cake in for her 19th birthday. Oh. Um, and I believe they exchanged letters. So that's 
in, in theory, a beautiful thing that happened during this terrible time. When that was found out, the guard was sent to prison. Classic. <laughs> and things got even more strict around the house. And that's when tensions really began to rise, because they were like, what is the long term here? Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with these people? But now Maria's boyfriend's gone, everybody's miserable. Classic. So, beginning of July of 1918, things kind of come to a head. And it seems like the White Army... Who, which includes monarchists, mm-hmm. people who are into the crown. Yeah. We're closing in on Ekaterinburg where this house was. And the Bolsheviks are kind of like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do here? Now's the time for moves. Gotta make a move. Gotta make a move. Well, I'll tell you what they land on. Uh, rather than get into anything messy or complicated, let's just execute all of them, bury the bodies. We'll never talk about it again. It will be so easy. <laughs> That's what we'll do. It's going to be fine. And some people believe that that order came directly from Lenin. Some people refute that. There's no way to know. But probably Lenin told them to do it. It was somebody's shitty idea. Yeah. Most likely it was Lenin's shitty idea. He was had a lot of shitty ideas. Mm-hmm. And and then some good ones, I guess, in the abstract. He did have <laughs> good ones. And it's not like the Romanovs necessarily treated their people well yes. in this particular scenario. Russian politics are more complicated than this specific yes. thing is well, going to be. When your ideas lead to the execution of five children in addition to their parents... That's not great. That's a bad move, is what I'd say. It's a bad move. Whether or not monarchy or Leninism is best for the Russian people... Who's to say? I don't think anyone knows. We can't get into that. We don't know. Murder, not good for anyone. Murder, not... That's the only thing that I'm at liberty to say. (laughs) Murder is not so great. Murder of children, not so great. So, on a night in July of 1918, in the middle of the night, the guards wake up the family and bring them all to a room downstairs. They don't really know what's going on, and they're left alone down there for half an hour... While the guards are in the other room doing vodka shots. Russia. Russia. Gotta paint the scene. I didn't make that up. Gotta paint the scene. God, just imagine, so, like, being in that room for half an hour and yeah, just no. being like, cool, this could be the end, or they're just moving us to another house. Yeah. I don't know. Fucking, is this where we would just wait for the bus? Ugh. Probably they figured it out. I don't want to think about that. It's horrifying. Ugh. So there's the moments of uncertainty, and then... Things get real. One of the guards reads out a death sentence aloud. No. And all hell breaks loose. It's the guards' fault. <laughs> because the guards were all supposed to shoot a different member of the family to ensure that everybody died at once. Mm-hmm. It was a clean execution. Uh, nobody followed instructions because nobody wanted to kill the young girls. They had all had a fondness for the young girls. The mm-hmm. young girls were nice to them. And they were like, you know who, I, who, you know who I'd like to shoot personally? Is the Tsar and the Tsarina. So the Tsar and Tsarina are riddled with bullets and dead immediately. And who is left to suffer oh, but all no. of the children? Yep. They it were, gets worse. <laughs> they were almost trying to be cool for like one second, but it backfired into the opposite of cool. Absolutely. That's exactly what happened. Oh. That's what historians say. Oh, God. Um, so it's a it's a horrific mess. And everyone's sort of injured, and nobody knows what's going on. The windows are nailed shut, so smoke is filling up the room, and everyone is just scrambling. It's a complete mess. The second part of this madness is that even those who were shot were protected in part because in the last months of their capture, they had sewn diamonds into the underclothes that they were wearing. I've heard this, and it's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Like, they were trying to... They sort of assumed that they would escape into exile, and they needed to have money when they did that, so they sewed all of their jewels and diamonds into their clothing, and the bullets ricocheted off the diamonds. 
That's so crazy. But, like, you know, imploded into them still. So the guards were having a hard time actually killing them and actually ended up going over there and bayonetting several of them to death. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That sucks. It fucking sucks. That so deeply sucks. The whole thing takes 20 full minutes. Oh. Yeah. Let that sink in. You remember when them waiting for half an hour was shitty? That's even This worse. is shittier. That's yep. even worse. It's worse. Huh. <sighs> so that sucks. <sighs> but once it's all over, lots of the guards are fucked up. They're drunk. They're and drunk. then some of them are just weeping. Yeah. Because of course. They're drunk and full of regret, I yes. would assume. And there is a legend. I don't know if this is true, but there's a legend. Would you say there's a rumor in St. Petersburg? People have died. <laughs> Sorry, I love children have died. And do you now believe that she died that night? No, wait. Okay, I have to tell you the legend. I have to tell you the legend. Uh, Is the legend going to give me hope? Oh no, it's going to give you nightmares. No. Um, there is a legend that as they were carrying the bodies outside, Anastasia woke up and started screaming. Of course she did. Until they had to finally murder her. Um, because there's a legend that she fainted during all of it, and I don't know how true that is. But, uh, boy, does it color the story. So they burned everything, all their clothes and everything, and they never spoke of it again. And there was no new information on the execution of the Romanov dynasty until 1979 when amateur historians discovered the bodies. Wow. So, so the- wait, so literally, so did did people know they were dead? Like, they're definitely dead. We just don't know what happened. You know, I actually don't know. I don't know if, like, Lenin released something like, you know, they're dead, it's me now, and literally no one else. Or people just assumed that. Yeah. Um, I think at a point they would have to assume it. But no, there was no physical remains found until 1979. Wow. And that was only the Tsar, the Tsarina, and three of the daughters. Okay. And then Maria and Alexei weren't found until 2007. Jeez. Which I have no idea how that was. Because you would think that if they found, you know, the first few of them in 1979, they would just keep looking until they found the other two. Yeah. But no, they had trouble finding those bodies until 2007. Wow. And that doesn't make any sense, because if they found those people in 1979, why would they make the movie about Anastasia in 1997? Because they didn't find Maria's body until 2007. Well, maybe that was it, though. Maybe they were like, there's a daughter missing. Like, maybe and they just two went are alive somewhere. Anastasia. And then Anastasia's a... a like, a movie that was called Maria. Like, what is it? The Sound of Music? No, you have to make it sound more Russian and fancier. Anastasia. That sucks. That Maria <laughs> could have had, like, an actual legacy. I think, I think... Did they know for sure, like, oh, this is Anastasia and Olga and Tatiana? Or were they just like, here's three daughters, and then we're missing one and the son? I don't think they necessarily knew for sure. I think the rumors surrounding one of the lost Russian princesses started... Oh, I said rumors. <laughs> the I'm rumors. <laughs> In St. Petersburg. Should I be done? <laughs> Would you like to begin your... No, I want to keep talking your... <laughs> about this. Oh, um, no. God. I can just, like, from a movie-making perspective, I can see it being, like, there's a daughter missing. That's the, enough. The youngest and most mischievous is the one that we want to write a movie about. Yeah. Even if we know she's dead. It's the middle daughter. Like, almost her being younger makes it more palatable. (laughs) Well, well, I think the other thing was that for some reason, I don't know when this was, I believe it was before 1979, but Mm -hmm. I could be wrong, 
I believe some, a woman or several women came forward and said that they were Anastasia. Interesting. Um, and that's a whole big other thing that I actually did not research uh-huh. very much just because, uh, we don't, we don't have, it's just interesting. It's just interesting. And we don't have the time because there is so much stuff. Like I could have spent 15 more minutes on Rasputin, you know? Oh my God. But yeah, so I think that, I think that maybe the movie spawned from those women who were like, that I'm Anastasia. Scandal. Yeah. Fair there was enough. a scandal of somebody being like, I'm a Russian princess. And I think everyone, except for a few, were like, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'd all like to be Russian princesses. But then after this story, nobody wants to be a Russian princess. Oh, God. So yeah, that, that blows. That sucks. And then Russia them. never had problems with their government ever again. Oh, no. Lenin did fix it. It's all good now. <laughs> Everything is fine now. So yeah, there you are. The execution of the the Romanov dynasty. That's so awful. In 19, 1918. The, a crazy thing that I know about that, I didn't know most of this, but a crazy thing that I know because of a book I'm reading right now about Queen Victoria mm. is that, so her son, um, Bertie, who was like the crown prince. Oh yes, I know him. And the czar, Nicholas, mm-hmm. were first cousins, looked really, really similar, like were almost twins and were really, really close. Oh, and while they were in, like, the house, Nicholas wrote to his cousin Bertie, who they were very close, and was like, hey, like, can you take my family in? Like, oh my God. would that be chill? And Bertie kind of had to be like, I can't because I can't start shit with Russia. <gasps> and, like, and let if, them die and, then. and literally let them die because he was like, if Lenin was to be like, cool, all out assault on the English... Yeah. The English kind of would have been fucked. Because that's a political move. Yeah. If they were to say, He can't yeah, be like, we'll no, shelter. it's because it's my cousin. Like, it's taking in the deposed king of a foreign nation is inherently super political. Oh my god, can you imagine that letter, though? <laughs> like, so the thing, I totally would. <laughs> oh my god. But, like, we're gonna be in Ireland that day, so, like, we can't. <laughs> he really, I'm so I sorry. wish I could. Are you free next month? <laughs> can I save you from yeah. the Leninist next month? Yeah, that's crazy. That's horrifying. It's wild. It's yeah. a wild ride all It's around. a wild ride. Now's the time I could do a really shitty transition, which would be like, <laughs> speaking of wild rides, let's talk about the journey of love. And it's like, no, <laughs> they, these people were, were slaughtered. These people were slaughtered. Um, huh. And nobody on The Bachelor's been murdered, to my knowledge. But you know what? You might surprise me I and say... I don't know that that's true. I think maybe someone was. I don't quite remember. But <laughs> if somebody was murdered on Not The Bachelor? during The Bachelor, but like, I think contestants have like... <gasps> done terrible things. Or like or been, been murdered. I I my brain is digging that that maybe happened, but I don't quite remember. You can use my phone to Google it. If you I want. won't Google it. Okay. I want to hear what else you have to say about The Bachelor. You've piqued my interest. All right. right, let's talk about ABC's The Bachelor. Something I'd like to start off by prefacing is that I watch and enjoy ABC's The Bachelor. I watch you do it. <laughs> and you watch room. me watch and enjoy ABC's The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it for long. I've only watched a couple seasons, but mm-hmm. like. If it's on, if I have an hour, I watch it and I have a hell of a time. So, like, no shame to people who watch this, but what I like to say, and this is me uh, plagiarizing from RuPaul, if you can't horrify yourself, how in the hell are you going to horrify somebody else? He does say that a lot. Say she amen. D- she does say that a lot. <laughs> yes, she's in full drag, so it's she. But let's talk about The Bachelor. I'm going to focus today on The Bachelor. So mm-hmm. there is The Bachelorette. Right. Where a lady is having men compete for her, um, that has a higher success rate, and there's less of it. So it's is that l- right? Yeah. So it's less like right for the picking, but about forty six percent 
of bachelorette relationships are still running as of right now. What a shock. (laughs) And they still won't let us have a president. (laughs) Men. Can you guess what percent of relationships on The Bachelor are still up and running as of this day? And if it helps you, there's been 21 seasons that are done. So Ari... 21 seasons. So Ari is the current Bachelor, and he's not done with his season. So I'm not counting him, because we don't know. I mean, if there's 21 seasons, like... 30%? 30%? Lower. Lower than that? Lower than 30%. 20%. Lower. Lower than 20... Uh, 10%. 9.5%. Not less than 10. Oh my god. So that means it's <laughs> 2 out of 21. And oh. that 2 includes a really interesting case that I'm going to talk about later. Oh, I know which one it is. <laughs> oh, I know which one it is. So, ABC The Bachelor started in, I believe, 2002. It's... Uh, basically a show where uh, one guy has, like, 20 women. They come to a house that is someone's real house. Mm-hmm. And that they just rent to The Bachelor for the summer. So imagine getting your house back after that summer and being like, here's where Corinne and Ben fucked. That's fun. <laughs> I wonder if they watch it. Like, <laughs> I can't. I definitely would. I'd be like, oh my god, here's where Becca M was crying so hard. Yeah, that's where my kid took its first step. <laughs> oh my god. They go to this house. They're there for uh, a full season is three months. The thing that I think makes it horrifying is how meticulously produced it is. Oh. So, like, these people themselves are either, like, truly trying to go on for love, which, good for you. 8% of people. <laughs> 8% of people. Or they're truly going on being like, I really want to get paid for my Instagram, and this is the way to do it. And you know what? Good for you, too. Yeah, no. Big ups to them as well. If you can get paid for your Instagram because you're eating those hair care gummies, eat them all day. Oh my god, I would love to quit my job and just drink, like, (laughs) flat tummy tea all day. I'd love to have, um, quit my job and just open FabFitFun boxes. I don't want to use any of the stuff in them. I watch those, so you'd have a a viewer in me. There we go. So... (laughs) Level of production on this show is wild. You guys might have heard about a show called Unreal, and it was... I haven't, actually. So it's on Lifetime, and it is about, like, it's called Everlasting, but it's The Bachelor, and it's about the producers behind The Bachelor. Oh. But it's written by a girl who really was a producer for The Bachelor in, like, the early seasons. Her name is Sarah Gertrude Shapiro. So here's some things that Sarah Gertrude Shapiro said she did as a producer on The Bachelor. Um, she would get them to open up, then she would give them bad advice, and then she would deprive them of sleep. (gasps) She was like, that's step one, two, three. Um, for the final rose, she would go to the girl the night before and be like, I just want you to know, like, I'm gonna lose my job for this, but I just need to tell you, like, he's gonna propose, he's picking you. (gasps) And she was lying. She would say that to the other girl. So that other girl was extra blindsided. Oh my god! She would hide, like, lemons or jalapenos in her pockets, and when she was talking to a girl, she'd put them in her own eyes to make herself cry, because she found that when she was crying, the girl she was interviewing was more likely to cry too. Of, like, I see you're upset for me, like, I am really upset. That's, like, that's, like, Jonestown-level mind manipulation. Literally mind manipulation. She would also come up with songs that the girls would start to, like, feel like was their journey, and she'd play that song in the limo as they were leaving until the girl got upset. She'd have the driver drive for an hour, two hours, until the girl started crying, and then she'd cut the music and start interviewing them. And then she told a story about how one girl, she just couldn't break. Like, she needed to get this girl to cry on camera after she had been eliminated. 
and she couldn't do it and she couldn't do it. It took an hour. And finally she said, do you think he dumped you because you're fat? And that got her to do it. That would make me cry. That would make me cry. Are you kidding? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. But like, that's that's, horrifying. That's the level of stuff producers will do because they know that the drama is what they need. And they. Oh my God. I didn't know any of this. And The Bachelor is a cash cow. The Bachelor costs like a fourth of what a scripted television show costs. I mean, those helicopters don't fly themselves. (laughs) You know, those strawberries don't dip themselves in chocolate. It's so. So, like, that's just with that one woman. She's like, here's things I've really done. (laughs) <laughs> so imagine, like, what the other people did. Exactly. Just, and like, just... taking a cattle prod, like, <laughs> cry, cry. <laughs> Literally, yes. So that's just, like, that's her. In general, the producers do things. So when we see their cocktail parties, if you're familiar with The Bachelor, at, like, the end of a week on the show, there's a big cocktail party. All the ladies are in nice outfits, and The Bachelor, like, tries to talk to all of them. And at the end of the night, there's a rose ceremony, and some people go home. Those last until 8 a.m., so you're up from when? From you start filming at six p.m. PM? What? Because the bachelor has to talk to every girl, and then the whole rose ceremony, and those last until the morning. Oh my god! So every woman there is exhausted, and they've been drinking. The, the people have gone on the record saying this too. The producers are handing them champagne from noon until they're done filming, which is at six a.m. So the girls are tipsy as fuck. So that's probably a murder that happened on The Bachelor. It's like <laughs> alcohol poisoning for one of these girls. And Literally. they just like cut her out of the footage. Oh my god. So like imagine like when I'm up an hour later than I want to be, I'm crying just because I'm Absolutely. Tired. So like imagine if at the same time you're like feeling insecure. you <laughs> Somebody just called you fat. <laughs> just called you fat. You're trying to talk to this guy. And there's no helicopter around. There's no helicopter. You've been stuck in this house for days. Yeah. That's something that cracks me up when I watch the show is I'm like, you've been on one day with him, Tiffany. Why are you saying you're in love? But they take these girls' phones. They take all of their computer. They don't let them call their family. They don't let them watch TV. They don't let them read magazines. So they're in this house 24-7 with each other thinking about this guy. That's all they do all day. So, of course, when that happens to you, when you're in a home and you cannot do anything... But think about the man you're supposed to be dating. Of course you're going to project some stuff onto him. Of course he's going to take all your thoughts and you're going to think, like, this is the man of my dreams. I have to win him. Like, we have a special connection. Even though he smiled at you once while you were, like, doing a bit with a puppet. Like... Yeah. When you, like, showed up on, like, a race car just because (laughs) you heard that he drove a car once. Uh, surprise. Those aren't real. The producers stage all of those crazy entrances. Okay, that isn't as surprising to me. (laughs) That's like, you know... That's fair. Like, a girl shows up on a camel, she's like, I can't wait to hump you, and he's like, oh, okay. I, I, that would work for me, honestly, if someone said that to me. And they're all dental hygienists. Every one of them. But yeah, so they have these long nights. There was a contestant on the show a few seasons ago, and her name was Megan Paris, and she was kind of painted as, like, the bad one of her season. There's always one. Oh, there's always, like, the choking bitch, for yes, sure. absolutely. This season it's been Crystal, but I think she just got eliminated recently. Mm-hmm. So she did an interview with Reality Steve, and he's someone who's made his entire career out of spoiling The Bachelor. He has sources on the site, and he, wow. from, like, week two, he knows who wins. Wow. Which is really interesting. And he can tell That's you, like, here's thing. how this is all going to go down. So she interviewed with him. She was the villain of her season. And she said they didn't air one thing that they record, like one confessional that we recorded before midnight. 
She was like, I was shocked when I watched the show because I thought I had said, I thought I was really close to the girls. We had a lot of really great talks because we were stuck in this house all day. I felt like I was like a mother hen of the group and other girls told me they saw me that way too. But when you watch the show, the only stuff they showed of me, of Megan, was after midnight when I had been awake all day, when I had been drinking, when I was tired. When anyone would be the villain of the show. Yeah. And those were the, she's like, they didn't show one confessional of me that was before midnight. Yeah, because somewhere in the, like, 7 p.m. to 11 range, they start fucking with your brain. Yes, they really do. That's so scary, really. They really, really do. I wonder how much the girls know before they sign up. I wonder Because they probably watch the show and they're like, oh, like, you're staying in a mansion, you get to lay by the pool all day, Mm -hmm. like, it must be so great. And then you show up and they're like, cool, we're going to take your phone. Yeah. (laughs) We're not going to let you talk to anyone. And I think it must depend. Some girls who are there for, like, I want to do the, like, gummy bear hair sponsor ads, they must be fine with it. They're just like, yeah, here I am. But probably, honestly, the girls that go in really genuinely looking for love are probably the ones that get fucked. Yeah, they probably are destroyed. Yeah, they're probably, it's horrifying. It's awful what they do to these women. It's all so deeply staged. The typecasting is crazy. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Where, like, this Megan girl was saying, like, every girl who I was actually there with said she was, said I was the mother of the house. And I was cast as the villain. Like, it was just such a disconnect between reality. And then there's things like the Jason Mesnick thing that happened. Oh, my God. This is my favorite thing. Which was the season that Megan was on. Oh, really? Interestingly. I just don't remember her. So what happened with Jason Mesnick, what happened to Jason, is that... (laughs) Lifetime movie. (laughs) um, uh, What happened with Jason was, he picked a woman, Melissa, at the end, proposed, everything was great, they were going to be happy forever. Oh, I remember. Tell them. (laughs) (laughs) Then, you guys, uh, they did, like, after the final rose, and he revealed he was not happy with Melissa, and he thought he had made a mistake, and he should have ended up with his second pick, Molly. So he broke up with Melissa on, on the TV. air, yeah. <laughs> and like the next scene was him going to Molly, also on the air, and being like, "Hey, I broke up with Melissa. Do you want to get back together?" With nary a commercial in <laughs> And she said yes, and they are now married and have children. So they are technically, I counted them as a bachelor success story. Even though they really kind of aren't, like, he didn't really pick her. Yeah, they're 0.3 of a Bachelor success yeah. story, because that was horrific. It's like, I actually don't like you, and what's more, I've decided who I do like. As if it's like, you have to pick one. As if mm-hmm. he couldn't just be like, you know, the real update is that it didn't work out. And yes. He's like, nope, I must, I must choose a new bride, and that's mm-hmm. what I'll do, and it's horrific. And so what Reality Steve and Megan talk about in her podcast, Reality Steve has all these sources. And Megan was like, yeah, that's so crazy what happened. Like, I was off the show before then, obviously, so I don't, I wasn't there. And he was like, my sources tell me that it was decided he was going to do that before he picked one. Oh. He said to them, like, I think it's Molly. And they were like, great, can you propose to Melissa? And, and he then... was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Reality Steve's sources are like, they engineered it to happen. Oh my god. And then... I trusted Chris Harrison. <laughs> I don't, trusted him. Don't do it. Also, contestants have gotten into relationships with producers. Like, one girl was kicked off, Rosalind, because she was in a relationship with a producer. Oh, I like... I want to hear their story. I'm more interested <laughs> their in their story, story than anything else. Their journey. That's something fun that I found out, is that they don't like when when you're doing confessionals, they don't like if you say, this is a process. They make you retape it and say, this is a journey. 
because journey sounds more romantic and process sounds too like fake which anyone who's been in a long-term relationship which we both have know it is a process it's a true process (laughs) it's a journey too but it's also a process it's it's more of a process than a journey is what i would say but then again we're dealing with the true and committed love here yes (laughs) not the bachelor not necessarily the bachelor although the bachelorette has a 46 percent success rate so far that's all true so, The Bachelor is crazy tactical manipulation on crowds of women just looking for love. Oh my god. And that makes it pretty horrifying. What I will recommend is Caitlin Bristow's season of The Bachelorette, which was my first one I ever watched. That one's pretty fun because she just kind of does whatever she wants. Um, there's a man named Cupcake on a mountain in Ireland that's great. Oh my god. And then she infamously slept with one of her guys outside the fantasy suite, she slept with a guy named Nick, like the first date she went on with him, Nick Vile. I remember that. I love that. Yeah. And she was just like, I did sleep with him. Like that did happen. And ended up having to tell the guy she ended up picking. She was like, Sean, just so you know, I did sleep with Nick. And Sean was like, that's a bummer, but okay. And she's like, yeah, I don't think I should have, but like, I don't regret it. Yeah, man. And I was like, Caitlyn forever. And then also a fun thing about Caitlyn is that she Snapchatted her and Sean in bed together before the episode aired. So, <laughs> oh my god. I love her. So the Bachelor people were trying to be like, well, you don't know who she picked still. And everyone was like, she Snapchatted them in bed being like, yeah. hi guys. Like, she just didn't give a fuck. And they're still together and they have a dog and a fitness empire. But they're not married, which I love. I love that. Go Caitlyn. Go watch only that. Go watch Caitlyn's season and that's it. And also watch all of Burning Love. And watch every episode of Burning Love. And check out Unreal if you're interested in this as well. And this this woman who came forward with all the shitty stuff she did. Sarah Gertrude Shapiro. Honestly. Sam, tell me what you're cautiously optimistic about. Uh, Honestly, you want to hear what just gave me joy for you to say it is Burning Love. Burning Love. Honestly. I'm recommending it to everyone right now. Burning Love is on, you can buy it on Amazon, is the best place I can think to get it. But it's a lot, it's all the comedians that you see in something and you're like, where have I seen them? And they're doing a parody of The Bachelor and then they do one of The Bachelorette that's so spot on. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's hilarious. It's so good. It just nails it, you know? And even if you don't watch The Bachelor, those tropes are so much in the world that you will hysterical laugh. Yeah. It's so funny. What are you cautiously optimistic about, Al? Trying to go with something in theme from my topic, but there's not a whole <laughs> lot of sunshine in Russian politics right now. Um, I gotta loop back and say I'm cautiously optimistic about the podcast we discussed earlier, which is, um... This Podcast Will Kill You? This Podcast Will Kill You, which Sam has been telling me to listen to for several weeks now, and I just started listening to it, learned a lot about the Spanish flu, so you guys should all go like and subscribe. Hell yeah, they're so good. Thank you for go- joining us this week on this ride, you guys. What I'm gonna say about how I feel is that all men uh, should never be in power. That yeah. means too bold. Be, no, be they the producers <laughs> of The Bachelor or... Or Czar. Or I'll link the Czar and also the guy who killed the Czar. Yeah. If it was Alexandra and some lady in the Russian government, they would have just been like, look. <laughs> <laughs> you guys go to France. Don't come We're back. We're gonna figure this out. Yeah. Let's just call it. Yes. Um, thank you guys for going on this journey with us. And whatever you do, I hope you stay horrified. Oh, stay horrified.